Koppel Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempt from registration requirements. I wish that our stock market were as honest as every casino I go into. The gambling propensity is strong in people to do mathematically unintelligent things. Welcome to Libel on Fire with Libel Sternbach, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams as fast as possible with as little stress as possible. Libel Sternbach is the author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel's advice has been featured in countless publications, including Reader's Digest, USA Today, Yahoo Finance, CNN Business, Investment News, and and Market Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Libel on Fire. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Libel on Fire. I'm Freddie Bell with you, and joining us is the man, Libel Sternbach. He's Amazon's best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and also the author of Authenticity. Libel, good morning, hello, and welcome. Hey, how are you doing today? Unbelievable. I got a little tickle in my throat, uh, so I'll try not to cough on you. Tell us where we can find more information about Libel and uh, the work that you do for as in terms of resources. You can find that on our website, uh, yieldsforyou.com or Label on Fire, either one, yieldsforyou.com. And on that website, you're going to find all the information about us, the resources, our mission, our classes, our workshops, everything you need in order to help guide you on the mission for retirement. All right. So as you mentioned, retirement makes me think about recession. Let's talk about recession a little bit. That's been in the news quite a bit in the last several days. How do you define recession? So there's the technical term that the market kind of uses, which is two consecutive quarters of, you know, negative growth. So where the economy has contracted for two quarters consecutively. Um, and that's that's what Wall Street uses. Now the technical definition that the you know that the econ- that really I should say that the uh, White House uses or that you know the government uses is defined by the economic council, the White House Economic Council. And they are you know notorious for waiting you know a very long time to define what that is they want to make sure they get it right um but really when you think about it a recession is when the economy contracts for a extended period of time and so i don't really care about what the technical definition of a recession is what i care about are the behaviors and whether those behaviors are going to be sustained or are they temporary because you know when we had to when covid first started and we first had the pandemic we had all of these things happen, right? And we went into a, you know, a temporary recession and we knew that restaurants, right? They had to let go of a lot of workers and hospitality, but it was, there was a very temporary nature to it. Um, now we have this recovery and we have, you know, the economy is kind of finding itself. The question is, is are we finding a new balance or is this contraction that we ha- have happening right now, is this just the beginning of a bigger wave? That's the question that we need to be asking ourselves to decide, is this just a, you know, a reset or is this a long-term recession? We're talking with Libel Sternbach about the recession. So I just asked you to define a recession. 
So based on that definition, where are we right now? Are we in a recession or are we, are we on the cusp of one? So based on the Wall Street definition of two consecutive quarters of uh, gross domestic product GDP, uh, negative numbers, then we are technically in a recession, hmm. according to the Wall Street definition. The, the Economic Council hasn't ruled on it. Don't expect them to come out with numbers uh, or to come out saying whether we're in a recession or not for at least another year or two, um, because they basically will wait until the dust has settled. Um, whether we're actually technically in a recession or not, only time will tell, right? Because we really don't know. There's too many numbers in flux. There's too many moving pieces to know whether the economy is actually growing or shrinking, right? So when we look, when we're looking at data points, and the only reason why Wall Street cares to 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 give a technical label and to say you know the economy is growing or the economy is shrinking is because they want to be able to bet on the future they want to know which companies to invest in and which to take their money out of and when you're thinking as an investor right you want to be able to predict where the economy is going and i think that it's a little short-sighted to be able to say, to say you know the the short the small little data points that we have point to an overall trend in the economy because the economy is doing a lot of things that it's never done before right we can't point and say well this is just like after world war 2 this is just after just just like after the vietnam war right this is just like when opec shut shut down oil right this is not like anything that's ever happened in our economy ever period there's so many different things that are happening and we have so many contradictory things happening. So to be able to say that our economy itself is shrinking and that it's going to be sustained, I think is, is a little bit irresponsible, right? I think what you can say is that it's changing. And I am a very big advocate and I've been saying this a lot on our show, right? Is that the economy is changing and the jobs and the type of work and where that work is being done is changing. And so the companies that uh, the winners and losers of yesterday are not going to be the winners and losers of tomorrow. But I think overall, our economy, the United States economy, the world economy is going to continue to grow over the long haul. Wow. So do you think uh, or how much of a role do you think the pandemic has played into this libel? So I think that the pandemic was a, uh, a huge inciting incident. I think it, I think it lit a tinderbox um, that, was, that was waiting to go off. Um, I, I don't know how much you recall, but right before the pandemic, right, we had, we had this, um, you know, the, the elections happening around the world. And it was, you had, you had the, the set of elections that were happening were very much, you know, nation centric. It was very much, you know, get us out of this global economy, right? Bring back jobs to our country, make our country, our nation first, um, which is a kind of a 180 from what the world has been doing for the last 35 years. Um, I mean, really, it's, you know, what, 1980 or so was when, you know, globalization really took off and the world was like, no, we're better off being a global economy where everything should be connected. And now people have been saying for the last, you know, five, six years, no, we want to be separate nations. We want to have our own borders. We want to, you know, uh, we want to incentivize our internal economies. And then the pandemic came. 
and all trade routes basically came to a halt. Uh, essential goods, you know, started to become scarce. Things like masks and uh, medical equipment, right, became something that you couldn't find. And nobody thought that that would be something that was possible, that a developed nation wouldn't be able to find paper surgical masks, mm. right? And that really shined a light on the the... The, how fragile our interconnected global marketplace really is and how much how how much say someone in China or someone in the Middle East or someone you know in Eastern Europe could have an influence on our day-to-day life and that's something that was a wake-up call to a lot of governments and a lot of people and they basically the result was we cannot have that moving forward and so we have a lot of essential manufacturing coming back home and it's either coming back home because the governments are incentivizing it or it's coming back home because people want it back home and they're willing to pay more for it so does that does that uh coincide directly with the lower unemployment rate? So I think that part of that has to do with the lower unemployment rate. I think that there is, I think that's part of it. I think you're seeing this this, uh, tug of war happening between the fact that we have, you know, manufacturing being set up and you have these jobs being created that didn't exist before. And you have jobs being destroyed that did exist before that people were, you know, relying on. And uh, in a lot of cases, it's low wage jobs that are getting destroyed and it's high income jobs that are getting created, which basically means that the lower class, right? The people who don't have an education, who don't have the ability to move up on the socioeconomic ladder, they're the ones getting crushed um, in this, you know, move for uh, onshoring and for bringing things into our economy. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that's part of what's happening. I think you also have a, a change in tastes, a change in buying behaviors and a, a lot of people, and this is like weird, the weirdness of, you know, are we actually in a recession or are we just looking at the wrong numbers, um, where you have, well, did Walmart, you know, Walmart saying that people are not buying as much as they used to. The question is, is, well, Walmart, did you stock the things that people wanted to buy? Right. Because there's very clearly an indication that Walmart was stocking things that people didn't want to buy, but they were out of the things that people wanted to buy. <laughs> you got to yeah. you got to fix that first. Right. Well, you got to fix that. But but it's because we're in this economy that nobody knows. Nobody understands. We moved the we moved in the pa- pandemic and I, Peloton. Right. Peloton, the, the bike with the with the huge iPad on it, right. you know, took off. And sold, right? And it went through the stratosphere. People were buying it left and right. Their stock went through the roof. Everyone thought it was the next best thing, right? Zoom became the next best thing. Everyone had to have it. And now, and they, you know, decided like, oh, this is going to keep happening. That for whatever reason, no one's ever going to go back to the gym. That people are going to love working out in their house with a $5,000 machine. And when the pandemic, you know, kind of subsided, people stopped buying their machines and they are stuck building this manufacturing plant that they can't afford. Oh my gosh. And they've had to, you know, sell it off and peer it back. And they, they weren't thinking, you know, ahead, but there's a lot of bets that were made that way where people were like, well, the pandemic is just going to continue. And it's like, no, the pandemic created a lot of like, you know, little bubbles 
really big bubbles, but they were bubbles that were just because of, you know, things that changed because our lives got turned upside down and some of it's going to stay and some of it is never, you know, was never supposed to have happened and is going to go back. So in other words, the, the bubbles are breaking that were created as a result of the pandemic. Yeah. And, and nobody knows where, what the new normal is going to be, right? Are we going to all return to the office or are we going to all work from home or is it going to be a hybrid, right? I mean, listen, right, my company, right, um, we were 60% remote before the pandemic. We just hired a, a new person not in the office, right? Our, we're we're uh, shutting down. We're not shutting down our office, but we're shrinking our office. We're not planning on being in the office as much because it's not essential to our operations. Whereas you have other people who are saying, well, we need to bring people back because creativity is not happening, because collaboration is not happening, because spontaneity is not happening, right? And it's, you know, there's going to be a give and take because people like the freedom. People like the fact that, you know, working from home means that you can have more of a work-life balance and you could do more of the things you like. And you don't, I mean, let's face it, when you're in the office, you're not working, you know, eight, nine hours a day. You're really working three and a half hours a day and doing, you know, God knows what the other uh, (laughs) period of time. And it just called work because you're in a building. Exactly. We only have about 60 seconds left. uh, And it's really difficult to pinpoint uh, what we can do to get out of this recession. But what is one thing that we can think about as we try to navigate through to get through a recession? What should we be thinking about, Libel? So as investors, we need to separate our understanding that the economy is not the market. We need to separate those two concerns and understand that what happens to the economy does not equate to what happens in the market. The market is trying to predict the future, and the economy is what's happening right now. And if you can predict what's going to happen in the future, you'll win, but that doesn't mean that the two are necessarily connected. And so in, in, in retirement, we need to separate those two, and we need to make sure that we're focused on managing our money uh, in terms of how people are betting on the future, not on how it's actually going to turn out. All right. That's Libel Sternbach. Yields4u.com is where you can go get more information. That's yields, the number four, the letter u.com. Libel on fire. This is Freddie Bell, and we'll be back with more after this. Thanks for listening to this episode of Libel on Fire. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them on our Facebook group at libelonfire.com slash Facebook. And if you would like a free signed copy of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Now, back to Libel on Fire. everyone, and welcome back to Libel on Fire. I'm Freddie Bell, and we're talking about recession, the current state of the economy. Where are we, in your opinion? So I think that I think that we're on the cusp of something. We're right now we're kind of on a knife's edge. I think overall our economy is growing. I think that parts of our economy are are either slowly recovering, and I think parts of our economy are shrinking um, and now we're having healthy shrinking, right? Because they, they, they boomed during the pandemic, right? We know like housing, right? Housing boomed during the pandemic. New houses 
were going up like crazy. Um, people were doing renovations, right? A friend of mine owns a home renovation company. He was he was busy like he couldn't believe the last two years. And he said now, this summer, he, he usually during the summers, he's out at appointments until 10 o'clock at night, and now nobody wants to meet with him. And so I think that there's a certain amount of healthy um, kind of, you know, correction that's happening. So that I see as being like a little bit healthy, you know, like, yeah, I hate the fact that his, you know, income is going down, you know, he's my friend, but at the same time, you know, we all agree house prices went through the roof way more than they should have, right? Everyone acknowledges that fact. Um, we also know that, you know, there's there's portions of the economy that are the, the prices, you know, food, right? Energy. Those are really high costs right now, and we need to bring those back down. So we want to kind of reset things, right? We want some things to reset. At the same time, right, we have some technology companies that are doing really well and some technology companies that probably should, you know, be taken out back and shot and put to pasture. <laughs> um, and, and this is, I think right now we're having kind of a, you know, a post-COVID high, we're coming down from that high. You know, it's that sugar rush, that sugar crash. You know, the two-year-old was was got into the candy after Halloween. That was COVID, and now they're <laughs> they're they're crashing in the in the in the closet. And this is um this, this is what's happening. So now, the question is: the parents in the house are they going to help the two-year-old find their bed and? you know, find the, find a nice, peaceful, calm way to get through this transition, mm -hmm. or are they going to make things worse, right? And we've both seen parents do, you know, and we've probably both been there of, you know, handling it the right way and the wrong way. Um, but that is really the job of government, the job of Fed right now, is to handle our economy that is kind of going through a fit kind of trying to figure out, you know, what's happening and where are we going and try to incentivize it to go in a healthy direction rather an unhealthy direction. You mentioned incentivize. So what are some of yeah. the keys or levers that the economy or the government can pull to help us to right size or get back on a better track? So, so one of the levers that they can pull is interest rates. That's a simple lever. Another one they can do is they can control, they can incentivize um, who is buying things and who is selling things. So they can put taxes on the buying and selling of properties, of investments, of businesses. So they can say, if you're going to go into you know, X, XY business or this sector, you're going to have a tax break or you're going to be penalized for going in there. Uh, they can incentivize uh, people for go, you know, if um, uh, manufacturing, right? So they can say, if you build these goods here, if the, you build and sell them here, you're going to get a tax break and we're going to put tariffs on if you import them, right? Um, and do things like that to try to incentivize those behaviors. Um, there are little things that they can do that way. There's also, they can do from a regulatory standpoint, right? They could decrease regulation. So regulation, a, a small amount of regulation, a healthy amount of regulation increases competition. It creates a uh, standard playing field for everyone in the industry. So everyone knows how to play in this industry. However, too much regulation 
creates a financial burden and makes it hard for new people to get into the industry. So something that they can do is they can say, well, if you're a startup and you're under a certain amount of revenue, you don't have to comply with certain regulations. Or they give you actually financial incentives and they say, here are grants to start a new company in this industry. And not only that, but you don't have to comply with all of these you know, reporting requirements and these oversight requirements that are very financially cumbersome for new people in this industry. Um, and that is how a lot of people right, get into these things. Think Tesla, right? The only way Tesla was able to exist was because the government created the ability to buy and sell tax credits when it, came, it comes to green energy. Tesla makes 10 times more money selling tax credits than they do selling cars. Mm. Um, and so it's by creating those incentives that the government is able to incentivize these activities and the economic growth. They can also go into partnership with private businesses. Um, so, for instance, the government spends trillions of dollars. Um, and so through, the, through their bidding system of how they say what they grant those bids to, um, they can say, well, we're going to be incentivizing, you know, small businesses and we're going to we're going to be willing to pay twice the amount that we normally pay. Normally, we want only the most competitive bids, but we're going to say we're going to take non-competitive bids if they're for small businesses. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, again, another way to stimulate the economy. They can also do things like tax holidays and say, you know, uh, like some states have. You know, if you make less than five million a year in gross revenue, you don't get taxed as a business. They can do that for individuals. They can do that for taxes. There's all kinds of levers that they can pull the beyond just interest rates and inflation and printing money. We've um, yeah, we've seen some uh, movement with the interest rates. So my question is, I'm, I'm asking you to put on the, the little shiny uh, thing around your head to be our finance doctor. So is the patient, the economy doing well, or is it in a bad state, or is it recovering? Where are we? That's a good question. Um, I think that our economy, when I look at, like, you know, the vitals, if you, if you were to take the vitals of our economy, um, and you look at, you know, so you take, you know, you take your blood pressure, right, you get on the scale, right, you take, uh, you, you, you draw some blood, you look at your cholesterol, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at all the different data points for our economy, most of the data points are very healthy, right? The things that you would look at are like how many people are employed? Um, what's the average employment rate? Um, is our wages increasing? Uh, are they increasing in place with inflation? So when you look at most of them, they're okay. When you look at them, and when you look at some of them, though, they're not so okay. So like inflation, our wages keeping pace with inflation, that's not a healthy one. But we do have an explanation for that, right? Inflation, nobody's keeping pace with inflation because of energy, right? We know that that's transitory. So really, we kind of need to focus on making sure we do things to, to help people recover, like make sure that that inflation is transitory and not permanent. And if it becomes permanent, the government should incentivize businesses to raise people's wages so that people don't get stuck again, like 2009, right, where people didn't have wage growth for 10 years because there was no incentive to give them wage growth. Mm. Um, so there, there's a lot of really healthy data points 
there's also some very concerning data points. And that's why I say like we're on a nice edge. I think if, if we look back in 10 years from now, I think our economy is going to be good. Uh, the markets may stay the same. Like if you told me 10 years from now that the market, you know, didn't increase in value, I wouldn't be surprised by that. Uh, a little bit surprised, but not entirely because it's very possible that what will happen is the people who are winners today become losers and new winners get formed. And so we may not add more value to the stock market, not by much when you adjust it for inflation, mm -hmm. but it's going to be different players in the game. So that means as an investor, there's opportunity to make money, but as a market as a whole, it may not actually increase in value. We're, um, we're looking yeah. at the recession through the lens of a person who's ready to retire. So uh, you've got the baby boomers who they're they're really leaving companies in droves right now. So as as we look at this and we're trying to shore up on on both ends at the same time, a both ends re, uh, approach is gold still a good safe haven right now, or should we abandon it? So gold is a is a weird store of value. So <laughs> traditionally, gold was you know a currency. And it was because there was a limited amount of gold in the world and gold could be melted down and you could use it of value for an, anywhere. Everyone used, you know, could use it of value in jewelry, right? You could make pots. It was very easy to, to turn it into something. Um, and everyone valued it. Um, and then we stopped using gold as currency, right? I mean, Fort Knox has got something I just read recently. It's $190 billion worth of gold that no one's ever attempted to break into. Um, but really, it's gold that doesn't have much use as currency. What it does have use, though, for recently is in electronics because it's a really good conductor of electricity. So gold as a store of currency, of value, that way, it doesn't hold up over time when you look at it historically. However, recently it has increased in value because of its value as a precious metal, because it's it, it does uh, it's it's a rare metal that's used in electronics, and it's becoming more increasingly harder to come by. Um, but I do I would not run to gold because let's say we really are in a recession, and let's say this is really the recession that everyone who runs to gold is talking about, and the market tanks and it goes down eighty percent, and it's the end of the world, right? If it really is the end of the world, guess what? Nobody's building new electronics. True. So they're not going to need your gold. <laughs> <laughs> your gold isn't really going to be worth anything because people are going to want food, not gold. So, like. I, yeah, I, I don't. It. I I don't think it's going to hold up um, over the long term as a good store of value. Having said that, I mean, listen, if you are, if you do think that the civilized world is going to end, um, having precious metals that you can easily carry and trade, I mean, that's always helped people move around the world. So Makes a lot of sense. We're just about out of time. Uh, I, I'm sorry I let the clock go by, but how can we get more information about the recession and how we can navigate through what we find ourselves in right now as we try to come out of the throes of the pandemic? So over the next few weeks, yieldsforyou.com, keep an eye out, podcast episodes, blogs, um, market updates. I'm going to be putting out a lot of content to help you keep up to date and help you make sure that you are making the most of your retirement savings um, and taking advantage of the opportunities that are out there. 
So, Livewell, I asked you a couple of minutes ago uh, how the patient was doing. So, in a word, uh, is a patient going to live? Is the economy going to survive? The economy is going to survive. I think the economy is going to do great. I am, I am personally not worried about the United States economy. We still make up over 22% of the world economy. So we're not going anywhere. And China right now is too focused on themselves. So they're going to be pulling themselves out a little bit of the world economy. So I'm, I think we're okay. Um, I'm more worried about the short term, like the next two to three years. Um, and I, I, I'm really concerned about this election cycle because this election cycle, I think, is going to be bring a huge amount of volatility to the markets. And politicians on both sides of the aisle are going to use this, uh, everything in the news, to their advantage. And it's going to look hectic. That's Libel Sternbach. You're listening to Libel on Fire. I'm Freddie Bell. Join us again next time. That's all the time we have for this episode of Libel on Fire, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them in our Facebook group at libelonfire.com Facebook. And if you would like a free copy of Libel's books, Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Thanks for listening. Koppel Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Registration as an investment advisor is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. All investment strategies can result in profit or loss. Information presented on this program is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Discussion should not be construed as any offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell the investments mentioned. Annuity guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Content should not be viewed as legal or tax advice. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation.